Man, isn't this fun? The Knicks are red hot, sizzling, winning their third straight game Monday night, led by 44 points from soon-to-be all-star Julius Randle. We'll chat about the sixth-seeded Knickerbockers as the New York Post Peter Body stops by. Plus, we get a Jay Swizzy Knicks wrap and go inside the doghouse. It's all next on a Patrick Ewing-themed episode 33 of Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams. Subscribe. <laughs> yeah, there you go, JYD. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets wherever you get your podcasts, but please rate us five stars and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the continued support. It helps us out a lot. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown. Drop a Knicks wrap a little bit later on in the show. We'll also be joined by the New York Post's Peter Body. Boy, JYD, I am excited about this Knicks team. We've talked about their potential all year long. We've seen them play hard night in, night out, but they've now won three straight. The latest, a victory on Monday night off of the Atlanta Hawks. While I thought they shot too many threes, they made a bunch, shooting 17 of 34 but how about the all-star play, the continued high-level play of their leader, Julius Randle? Man, I mean, come on. He's coming off a 44-piece chicken nugget dinner where he just, you know, happened to make seven three-pointers. Like, for a guy that plays bully ball, you know what that does to an opposing defense. They're saying, look, we're going to give him the three, but, man, he made seven of them. That's dangerous basketball. Not to mention he's going to go in there and rebound get physical, had the physicality. He's being a true leader and showing why he's an all-star ready player for the New York Knicks. Leading them to three wins this week, I'm telling you, they keep this up. They're going to have to really start to look out in the Eastern Conference for these Knicks because they're new and improved. Many levels to it. And the thing I love about Julius Randle is the fact that he's not just sitting out beyond the arc looking to take threes. Again, I thought the Knicks took too many threes last night. That is not sustainable. This team is not built to shoot 34 threes a night and have success. So that was bothering me. However, the majority of their three-point attempts are good looks, and that's what Tom Thibodeau said after the game, that Julius is kind of taking what's there. If he's getting double teamed, he's kicking out of it, finding the open guy. If they're going to give him the three, he's going to take it, and he's become much more efficient with that. How about just overall, JYD, the way that this team looks, especially now with adding Derrick Rose to that second unit man i watched them they're a cohesive team they're they play position basketball right where everybody has a defined role they're excelling at whatever their role may be reggie bullock knocking down threes or burks who takes over for him in the second unit i mean they're doing so many things well night in night out what a fun team to watch as a whole absolutely and they're taking on the identity of the coach you know like you said like everybody's doing position basketball where they know their role they kind of know what they're supposed to do what Tibbs is looking for for them to do. And yes, I think there was too many threes too. I mean, you don't want to be shooting 34 threes as the Knicks because they don't preferably have shooters per se. But on a given night, when they can get hot, as you saw last night, these good things can happen. So shout out to them. But at the same time, this addition of Derrick Rose is starting to pan out. If he continues to bring Quigley and Rose off the bench, 
that is like a, a jolt of lightning into this uh, Knicks group that basically gives him the option now to who he's going to play in the fourth quarter. And, you know, to close out the game because he can clearly see who's got it going, who doesn't, and who needs to be inserted. So I think this is the formula is working out well for the Knicks. I think that if they can continue to build this chemistry and continue to do what they do, it's, it's only going to get better. Yeah, and you look at the way that they've played since Derrick Rose has come aboard. And, and imagine, people thought that, oh, no, how could Derrick Rose come on? He's going to take minutes from Emmanuel quickly. No, the exact opposite. He's made quickly better because he almost moves him to that two-guard role, which I thought that quickly was going to play when, you know, the Knicks drafted him and you're reading the scouting reports about him. He sounded to me like a traditional two-guard. Then they had him playing on the ball with that second unit. And he's fine on the ball, but I like him off the ball with Rose. They have a legitimate two units and now to close out the game where they have they move Barrett really to the to the three and have him play small forward and have quickly as the two and you could have Rose as the point guard and obviously Randall there as well they have a legit second unit JYD you just get a feel watching this team you're confident in them as opposed to in years past where you'd be like ah they have no who's scoring right now out of this group that's on the floor that is not the case right now. They have balance. They have defense. They have scoring. Even Nerland's Noel taking over for Mitchell Robinson. Taj Gibson, you could throw him in there too. Those guys stepping up, doing their jobs as backup centers to Mitchell Robinson, who's out. Not that the Knicks aren't going to miss him, but they filled that void nicely. We, we talked about it earlier. These guys are doing their jobs as a team, and it leads to winning basketball. Hey, it starts with that capital D word, depth. They have depth. They have people that can fill in now. They have people that can play spot minutes. They have people that when someone goes down, they come in and, like you said, fill in nicely. Noel, last night, great dunk, by the way. I love the way he hung on the rim. He gave me a little – that was a nice little JYD-like rim rocker where he let the cameras actually catch him up there. That's, That's good stuff. He has to continue that because he's a good center. Todd Gibson, always solid, you know, going to give you those, you know, those spot minutes and 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 be a be a positive force in the locker room. So they built around this Knicks team a core depth chart that really whereas before when you see an injury, you're like, uh oh, this is going to cost us a few games. I mean, you take out a starting center from the Knicks, you know, a couple years ago. And that's like a seven, eight point loss from a game standpoint. But now you have good depth. So guys like Noel fill in and they and they and they keep the they keep the keep the ball moving. And the Knicks currently sixth in the Eastern Conference, which has you dreaming about a postseason matchup. The thing I love most about this team, I just enjoy watching them play. Every night, I, you look at the calendar and you say, okay, the Knicks take it on the Magic on Wednesday. I'm going to be locked into that game. Can't wait because you know you're not going to be disappointed. Now, we should say that the Knicks game against the Spurs, not really a surprise here, postponed on Saturday because of the Spurs dealing with COVID-19 issues. But outside of that, the Knicks have not had any of those significant issues so far. This will be the first time that they've been impacted by the COVID stuff. So you you look at their schedule coming up. Again, we mentioned it last week, JYD, that all these games are now winnable when you look at the Knicks' schedule because of the effort that you get night in, night out. It is refreshing just to have a team that plays like that. The big question becomes, what's next? The Knicks are rumored in potentially, you know, we talked about Zach Levine.
Levine a couple of weeks ago. Then Bradley Beal comes up. Maybe Andre Drummond might be a name. John Collins from Atlanta. I watch this team and think, I don't want to blow it up. I know that Beal's a superstar, but what at what cost? Are you one of those guys who wants to go all in and get a star, or are you going to be more patient in watching this team develop and see what they have here, not only the rest of this year, but seeing what they can build next year as well? I'm saying be patient. Be patient. I think the Derrick Rose trade, excellent trade. We took someone in a Dennis Smith Jr. who was not getting playing time, who was pretty much locked at the end of the bench and got a former MVP. Now, those type of trades are far and few between. Now, I'm not saying if you can pull that off, take those any of those names you're talking about, but I rest assured any of those names from Drummond to Beal to Oladipo, I mean, these guys are going to require not only draft picks, but, you know, significant assets from the Knicks. And I think that sitting in the sixth spot, you got to let this thing fester. You got to let it marinate. You can't just throw something into this recipe that could just throw the flavor all off. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm the chef like Chef Curry, but daggone it, I know <laughs> I know my gumbo, right? I know how to cook in the kitchen and sometimes a little too much into a pot like that this that's already marinating well and you can see some positive results you might not want to touch it well this team reminds me of the team where they first got Stoudemire I forget the exact year what was it was it 2010 well whatever when they first got Amari Stoudemire and they had Danilo Gallinari uh Raymond Felton was there they had a, a Wilson Chandler as well they had a nice team that you could see was building. Were they the most talented team? No, but they were fun. They were playing like a team, and then they went for it all and blew it up to get Carmelo Anthony. I don't want that to happen this time around. I don't, I know how great Bradley Beal is, and look, if you're talking about dealing R.J. Barrett, I, I'd be hesitant to do that, but Beal is the player offensively that you hope R.J. Barrett can one day become so that makes sense. But I've seen some of these reports that Randall would have to be dealt, that quickly would have to be dealt. Top end, you're talking about number one pick. What? No, quickly's untouchable. I'm not trading Randall for anything right now. He is their future superstar. You want to pair a player with him. And I wouldn't be so quick to give up on R.J. Barrett even, or even Obi Toppin. So I want to keep this team, have them playing the way that they are, and see where it pans out. I know you want to add to it. But at what ex at what cost? I'm not going all in, blowing it all up again like they did for Carmelo years back. If they want to add depth, I'm okay with that. And look, to JYD's point, you bring in Derrick Rose. That was a great trade, and it's helped this team significantly here. But the big trade, which is the next step for this team, right? Adding that big star, I just would not go. And I know it sounds nuts, and people say, oh, Sal, you hated uh, Barrett to start the year. Now, all of a sudden, you're not trading him. Well, things have changed. I like what I've seen here from this group. Look, if they were to give, if you're telling me the price for Bradley Beal would be Barrett and a number one pick and maybe Obi Toppin, I would consider that because I do think, and I love R.J. Barrett's work ethic, and it would pain me to give him up, but you have to give to get, and you'd be getting a better player, significantly better player in Bradley Beal, who's more developed offensive player that you don't know if uh, R.J. Barrett's ever going to get there. However, I'm not going overboard to make that trade a blockbuster trade to where it's going to impact the chemistry and wreck what they're building here. Just have some patience. The team is almost at 500. They finally have a real coach who knows what he's doing. There's no need to go crazy right now. Let it play out and see what happens. And by the way, you win largely in the NBA. I know what stars, but you draft and develop players. And the Knicks have done that so far on year one with Leon Rose. 
let them continue to do it with some of the assets that they've stockpiled. I mean, this looks like the Golden State Warriors, you know, actually a formula of drafting your team, right? Drafting your next powerhouse with the pieces that they put in with the draft picks that they have coming i mean this could be the 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 team of the future in the eastern conference you know teams like the nets with all their powerhouse players and everything you know they're just an injury away they're injury away from just being mediocre with two superstars or maybe just one based on history but with young players you're always going to be able to topple now to get into the real thick of this this thing here, Sal, the beginning of the season, we were talking about Julius Randle. Right. Right. We were saying, hey, you were like, showcase him, right? <laughs> Get yeah. him out there. He could be, you know, a potential trade piece. And I said, hey, wait a minute. He could be coming back and saying to himself, I don't want to just be a trade piece. I want to be the guy and I want to establish myself as such, which he has done. Now we're like, nope, <laughs> he's off the table. Why? Because of his play, because of his performance. Now we're looking at it like, well, shoot, can we jump up two, three more playoff spots by getting a Bradley Beal? Ah, uh, I say, yeah, you could, but you're gonna, you're gonna then, you know, sacrifice that long-term youth and that long-term play based on can we make this happen? Can we move up three spots in the Eastern Conference? with one trade and a Bradley Beal is that type of player. Yeah. You, you, look, He's you want to become a, out, like can go, you want to become a legitimate title contender. I don't, eventually that's the goal. I don't know. Bradley Beal is not going to get them there. He gets them closer, but he's not going to get them there right now. You're right. JYD episode one, you and I, we talked about it. The idea with Randall coming into the year was about, Hey, see what they could get from him and trade him and bring in assets. And you said flat out, or he can become a different player. And honestly, at the time, not that I didn't take it seriously. I, I just didn't believe, I never thought he would be this. I mean, you talk about a different player. There's even a difference of what Randall was being a different player and then being an all-star. He is, I mean, you, you nailed it. He has become that different player for all the reasons that you said. Maybe he wants to prove himself, prove all the doubters wrong. Tom Thibodeau getting the most of him, putting him in a position to succeed. It's panned out to where now where nobody should be thinking about trading Julius Randle. That's off the table. He is the superstar, the all-star that you would be looking to acquire. He has now become that. So it has happened. And I'll tell you, the one thing that stinks, and we've talked about this many times, no fans at MSG to see this team that plays so hard and plays with heart and passion every single night. Well, that's going to change, JYD. Toward the end of the month here, fans are going to be allowed back at the Garden next Tuesday night versus the Warriors. 2,000 fans. It's only 10% capacity. You have to have a negative PCR test within 72 hours. There's so many different levels to be able to um, have the fans get back into the arena, you know, season ticket holders are going to have first chance at it. You can listen to the Big Apple Buckets pod on the way to the game That's next right. Tuesday, all 2,000 of you. How great is that? But, JYD, what type of difference is this going to make for this? Even though it's a limited capacity, only 2,000 people still – 2,000 more than what they've had. What type of impact on the players that can have? Hey, that's positive, man. If you think about it, 2,000 people used to be in gyms when we used to grow up, right? 2,000 make a difference. 
especially, you know, if I mean, in New York, like 2000 regular fans is like 10,000, right? They, they magnify, especially after their first drink. Am I right, Jake? I want to be there. <laughs> I mean, Sal agrees with me. I need to be in that building. I need a $16 Bud Light. I need an $18 pastrami sandwich. I need the Delta Club pieces of shrimp that are the size of my arm. I need those in my life. I need the energy of the garden. Listen, if it's 200 a pop, I'm paying it at this point. I, I think especially next Tuesday, that's history. The first game back at the garden, the feeling, the eerie, it's something you're going to tell your grandchildren about. So uh, save up your, your pennies in the piggy bank. You know, you, take out a loan and get to the garden because it's going to be history. It's I'm therapy. feeding it. It's therapy yeah. at this point. We all need it. We need to get – look at poor Alex. Alex has been on the screen for like six weeks with a hat on and a hoodie. You know what that tells me? He's in depressed mode. He needs to get out. He needs to get into some environment where he can get some enjoyment back in his life. Well, Alex has been at MSG, but across the street. He's not allowed in the building, so he's working at the network, but he can't get in. So he's fiending for it too. He, he's right, he, he smells dying, this pastrami. To go to these he games. smells the it. The pro- problem is, Producer Jake, we're not gonna, you're not going to be able to get there. The season ticket holders are going to get access. And even them, it's a limited capacity because there's only 2,000 tickets. So they're, you know, have to spread that out over the course of all the home games here. The secondary market, you're saying 200 bucks. That would be a normal ticket. Be a bargain. 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah, right. If you could get in for 200, but I'm with you. I'm feeding to go to, um, what the heck is the name of that place right on uh, the, the main bar that I, Stout. Stout. I love yes. Stout. Great yeah, spot. I'm Ow. feeding to take the Long Island Railroad train into the garden, go grab a burger and a beer at Stout, head to the game, and then go back to Stout afterward. I'm dying for that. All these years, it's right there, and you're like, hey, I'm not going to go. It's too expensive, or the Knicks stink. Now the Knicks are good. We're not allowed to go to the game. It's been an impossibility. I'm dying to go to one of these games. Hey, shout out to Greg Heimowitz. I might have to call a season ticket holder that used to give me front row seats. Greg Heimowitz, where you at? Call Big Apple Buckets. <laughs> Get JYD back in the building with one of them underground. He's got an underground suite down there that's just off the chain. So those are the people we got to contact to get back in the building. We right? need to do a playoff Big Apple Bucket. Let's hope we're in the play. I mean, we're talking about this playoff talk. Big Apple Buckets playoff show outside the garden. We'll be in shorts and a T-shirt vaccinated. I'll see you there. There you Funny. go. With with the steak dinner. That's on, on the sideline. Let's go. I love it. Plenty of look, plenty of uh, time to get ready for that. Hopefully uh, full capacity back at the garden um, by then. But we're excited to have fans back and I'm sure the players are as well. We got plenty more to do here on this episode of Big Apple Buckets coming up next. This date in Nick's history. All right, boys, on this date back in 2009, the New York Knicks defeated Tim Duncan and the San Antonio Spurs 112-107 in overtime, winning their 22nd game of that season. Three Knicks in that game finished with double-doubles, with one player coming off the bench with a 30-point double-double. Can you name these three Knicks? No chance. Well, here's a hint. The one that came off the bench and scored 30 with a double-double, he recently got into a fight, if you know what I mean. Nate Robinson. Nate the ah, Great Robinson. That's there wrong. you go. Come on now. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd call that He was fight, on the tip yeah. of my tongue. Shout out to Nate. <laughs> Big three. Tri-State. Let's get the it. Second player was nicknamed Mr. Double Double by Walt Clyde Frazier when he played for the Knicks. He had a pretty good stint with them, moved on to Golden State, and was in the league for a while. It wasn't Al Harrington, was it? He's the other one. So you got Al Harrington. That wasn't his nickname, but he was the other player. You're missing one more. Al Harrington. Okay. So take out Al. Got that. Ah, Mr. Double Double. Huh. Well, give another clue. And then went to Golden State. What are the initials? DL. Oh, no. David Lee? 
Boom. David Lee. Love that's David it. Lee. The sixth man. Love him. Double, yeah. double. David Lee. Shout out. He apparently yeah, just sold his home, day. like they said on the broadcast last night, like a $16 million apartment. So David Lee is clearly doing well for himself. You know, like mm. Nas, Nas has the lost tapes, or some of these rappers have the lost tapes. Well, those were the lost years for me with the Knicks. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. Really, it's been rough go with the last 20. It was shocking. I remembered a name from the 2009 Knicks, but David Lee was a solid player. You solid. Mr. Yeah. Double Double. Coming up next, producer Jake Brown, a.k.a. Jay Swizzy, shares a New York Knicks rap with us. Stay tuned for that. Jay Swizzy's coming up. All right, folks, you know what time it is now. I'm a little nervous for him. It's time for our producer, Jake Brown, who's talking a big game here. He's got raps for days, rhymes for days. Jake Brown going to make his Big Apple Buckets rapping debut. Let's see what you got, Jay Swizzy. Uh, it's Jay Swizzy, Big Apple Buckets. Let's get it. Big Apple Buckets, we stay lit. Yankee Candle, all-star point forward, that's Julius Randle. He does it all, Sal Jerome, you already know. Knicks in playoffs, all praise to Tom Thibodeau. Fans back to the garden, I gotta be one of those. 32 years old, give out your flowers to Rose. Him and Tip stuck like glue, man, it's so sticky. They got a high IQ, started winning so quickly. Emmanuel's so good, so young, ain't no stopping. Rookies with rainbows, New York's OB topping. Styling and profiling, rocking 24 karat. Mabel Mamba for breakfast, kudos RJ Barrett. The youth going wild, boy, they going berserk. Posting toasting from three, Olaf, Alec Burks, you a jerk like chicken. Contagious like pox, stocks down, game stop. Kevin Knox. Fine, fine, fine. Let me stop with the hate and fire in the backcourt. He a burner. Alfred Payton. Drive, attack, stop, and kick the rock. Three-point goal. Reggie Bullock. Downtown of Alley Oopin. Toss me the lob. Broke a hand, throwing it down. Get well, Mitch Rob. Nerlens Noel got center covered. Shiver me timbers. Pop's not coaching you no more. Austin Rivers. Au revoir, monsieur. Now he's just a peanut. Je suis un grand garçon. Frank Nilakina. English to French, we oui, we. Oui. I got folks wincing. Clap your hands for your boy, 12th man, Theo Pinson. Bars! There was a couple of JYD. There was a couple of those that gave me goosebumps in there. I will admit, I was I was impressed and very well written. JYD, your your thoughts on this? That was fire. He had the dog pound rocking over here. That hey, they he had Tob Tibbs off top. Getting us going. I like it. I you like see, it. I went bilingual on you there with a little French at the end. You went bilingual, man. When you went to the French, I was like, now, see, that takes some talent. That's true that, talent. That was impressive. You had a line I'm early in there. <laughs> I loved the I loved working in the three point. Oh, that was great. I think it was uh, good. I think it was well written. And okay. one take. One take, producer Jake did one that. Take, Alex, right? Alex, you can attest. One take. This wasn't two or three times. So uh, that's not easy to do. I mean, that's, that, that's very difficult. Thank that's you. not easy. You're that probably got us our first. We're gonna we're gonna get some comments. We're gonna I can guarantee there's gonna be some people in New York from the dog pound that's gonna that's gonna leave us a message and start hitting that like button because of that rap. Interscope records, right maybe Columbia Records. <laughs> you know, New Rock York Nation. Post records coming soon. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> New label. Appreciate the love, everyone. Thank you. I'll be here all week. 
Joining us now, making his season two Big Apple Buckets debut, is the New York Post, Peter Body. You can follow him on Twitter, at Peter Body B-O-T-T-E, and read all of his sports coverage in the paper, of course, or at nypost.com. He's got a new book that he's writing called Power and Pinstripes, coming out on May 11th by Jeff Mangold. Peter, pleasure to have you on here. And look, this has got to be great fun for you, covering a team who's actually worth covering with this red hot New York Knicks team. It is it is amazing, Sal. It's been a crazy season, right? A lot of fun. Uh, I feel like the fans, you know, really would be embracing this team if they were if they were back at the garden. So I think it's been a fun year. I mean, it's been a long 20 years, save for one or two years in that in that stretch, right? Yeah. And this team kind of reminds me, you know, you can mention the 20 year period and the one fifty-four win team, but even that team, while it was fun because they got to the playoffs and actually won around, this team reminds me of the team before they traded for Carmelo Anthony, where they were building with, you know, the young players that they had. They just acquired Stoudemire. They had Gallinari. Raymond Felton was there. This team reminds me of that. I'm hoping it doesn't end up the same way where they blow it off to go trade for a superstar. But I think this team is even better. And they're a team they play together. Easy to root for and watch. They really are. And you look at the the job that Tom Thibodeau has done in his first year, uh, really kind of changing the culture He's he's allowed you know this team to really kind of come together and he's he's kind of pressing all the right buttons and now adding Derrick Rose last week really has made a big impact on that second unit and especially uh, the rookie Emmanuel quickly and uh, Peter JYD <laughs> coming in from the dog pound. What's Hi. up, Jerome? What's happening, man? You just spoke about Derrick Rose four and seven four out of the last seven wins right after the trade and I'm looking at this team and saying I see the energy I'm seeing the gel. Um, and and him and Quigley are starting to quickly become a dynamic duo. Yeah, and you're seeing and you're seeing Thibodeau use them to close games, uh, like last night, which is you know really important. I, I know a lot of fans you know wanted Pelf, uh, wanted Peyton out of the uh, out of the out of the starting lineup, but I I think I wouldn't change the way they're going right now because I feel like Rose and Quigley give them such a spark off the bench and they complement each other really well um, on that second unit and you know. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom can use who he wants in the fourth quarter, depending on who's playing well and who's hot. And that's what he's done. And Rose is really at this stage of his career, you know, really has kind of evolved as a, as a, as a player. He's not the star that he once was, but he's, he's getting everybody involved on that second unit. You even see some, some bright spots out of topping a little bit. It's been a fun run here. These last, these last few weeks. It reminds me a lot. Um, whenever you have a veteran coach like Tibbs, it reminds me a lot of Lenny Wilkins because what Lenny would do is he'd bring young youth off the bench with veterans together to make an awesome combination. I mean, I remember when, uh, you know, it was Jamal Crawford coming off the bench with JYD and, and some of the other, you know, guys at the, you know, in, in the, in the Knicks uniform that basically gave the young legs in there and he'd even mix in some Trevor Ariza, Trevor Ariza, Jamal Crawford, you know, mixed in with myself, Allen Houston, putting those veterans together on the, you know, coming off and with the young legs. And we were just, you know, we, we were coming off on fire. Yeah. And, and you see that and you see the impact that quickly has made quickly, as you as you joked before, he's really a find for them. And I, the thing that impresses me most, I mean, you see that he has the range and and he's got a lot of confidence, but like his ability to draw fouls and and to knock down the free throws is like such a weapon in the NBA now because it's so rare that you see a young guy come out of college who has that ability. And to me, his ability to 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 get guys up in the air on his you know when he fakes a three point shot. 
those things, it's going to bode well for him. Like those are things that, that are hard to teach guys, right? You know what I love about it even more so with Derrick Rose now? And I know people, you're right, Peter, they were talking about, well, quickly should be the starter because you always just want more. I mean, that's natural. Sure. You love watching him in the game. So you want him to be the starter, not appreciating what Alfred Payton does. And I know P Payton can be frustrating offensively, certainly around the rim, but he's a solid point guard. He's a good player. He can penetrate clearly. He plays some defense. And quickly, to me, is better suited as a two-guard. That's what it was when I read about him coming out of college, the way he shoots the basketball. I was expecting to see what we're now seeing with Derrick Rose as the backup point guard to Alfred Payton, with quickly as more of the off-the-ball. Now, I know he can do both, but he's more been off-the-ball with Derrick Rose here. I think that even makes quickly better as a player getting some more open looks outside and we know that there's no range i mean he's been shooting deep threes left and right here and he's knocking them down you mentioned his prowess at the free throw line which is great but really it's been rose at point guard and quickly as the two guard and i love that look with those two and i feel like quickly coming off the bench right now gives him the opportunity to score more right like if if he's playing with randall and barrett all the time He's not going to get as many shots. He's not going to get as many opportunities to score. On that second unit, he really can be the almost the number one option offensively. And 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 he's really uh, he's doing it. Like every night you look up and he's he's got 15, 16 points in 18, 20 minutes. I mean, he can, you know, he can fill it up pretty, pretty fast. And it's a it's a great option for them to have, uh, you know, especially a guy who was a lot of people thought was going to get picked in the second round, let alone the late in the first round. He's been a great find for them, really. Uh, I don't see I don't see any downside to him. I mean, at some point he'll be starting for this team. But right for right now, I, I leave him where he is alongside Rose. So what would you do here? I mean, we know that there's obvious areas where this team can improve. Last night, getting the win, or I should specify, Monday night, getting the win against the Hawks. They shot way too many threes. Now they went in, but they're not going to win consistently shooting 17 uh, or shooting 34 three-pointers, even though they made 17 of them. So we know they have issues with scoring, and we know they could use a superstar, but not to me at the expense of breaking up what Tibbs and this Knicks organization has now built here, drafting, trying to develop, getting some guys to play hard. What do you think, Peter, should be the next move? There are guys like Drummond out there. I mean, Bradley Beal continues to come up. Collins from Atlanta, who we saw Monday night. There are all sorts of options. What would be the next move for this Knicks team to make, in your opinion? See, for me, the crazy thing with when people talk about Beal is, you know, Washington's not going to give him away. So are you gonna, are you willing to sacrifice two or three first-round picks that you've so painstakingly compiled over these last couple of years? You have Dallas's pick. You have a better record right now than Dallas, so their pick is better than your pick right now. So I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't kind of, you know, break the bank of the stockpile of, of draft equity that I've built up these last couple of years. I mean, maybe, and especially because Beal is signed for $36, $38 million for for the next two seasons, like somebody like Oladipo though could be a could be a decent find because he's a free agent. Maybe you don't have to give up as much uh, for him. There are lesser guys who you can get. I mean, they need like a. They definitely could use a, a consistent three point shooter. Uh, their guys are not consistent. Even Barrett has struggled with his shot fairly regularly. But I wouldn't break the bank. Not this year. I would wait and see. I would keep my draft picks. The Nets could trade for James Harden, right? Because they're they have Kyrie and Durant. In place. They're ready. They're there. Yeah, they're ready to. They're ready to win. This Nick team. I mean, hey, it's great. They're they're right now sixth in the in the in the uh, in the East, but they're fourteen and fifteen also. So let, let's not plan any parades just yet mm -hmm. down the Canyon of Heroes. But but they're they're a fun team. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would. I would kind of let this season ride with maybe make a minor move for a, for a spot up shoot or something like that. Here's where we gotta just pump the brakes. This is where the over anxiety of NYC starts to take <laughs> shape. The concrete jungle starts to rumble, right? This, like Peter, you just said it. 
We're in the sixth place right now. Why can't we just manifest that sixth place position? Own it, right? Yeah. Just sit tight, let the development and the gumbo stir. <laughs> Get that gumbo right because you don't need to take I mean, because you're you're if you're thinking about adding a Oladipo, a Harden, a, a, a Bradley Beal, that's like throwing in a lobster into gumbo, right? The gumbo's already marinating. We're in sixth spot. We're going to Sizzlers for God's sake. We don't need to put some big hunk of steak or lobster, just throw it in the pot and see how it comes comes out. No. No, no, you add little pieces, right? Yeah. Little pieces. Keep right. your draft picks, like you said, Peter. Don't let the concrete jungle hit <laughs> you upside the head. And find me one Knicks fan that wouldn't have signed up for the sixth seed in the East coming off of the last three seasons, right? I mean, they were 21 and 54 last year. They're going to get to 21 wins probably in, in half that time this year, the way they're playing right now. They have their chance for their first four-game winning streak of the season tomorrow night in Orlando. Nobody would have nobody would have turned down the season that they're getting, the impact that Tibbs has made, the season that Quickly's having as a rookie, the season that we haven't even talked about, the season that Julius Randle's having. Just really, you know, by every measure, that guy's got to make the All-Star team this year. I got a comment on Peter's backdrop in his office right now. <laughs> he, he's a very well-versed man. He covers all sports at the New York Post. And if you look at his, his wall, I know Peter's son was a star soccer player. So you see the retired number six on his right. You got the Knicks <laughs> credential. You got, I think, a box of Wheaties. You got the New York Post. You got you. Is that like Farrah Fawcett in the top right? Who is the lady in the top right corner? That is actually my daughter, so be careful. Oh, with, uh, watch out. Oh, <laughs> producer <laughs> Jake. See, producer Jake. I couldn't see that. Oh, man. That is my 26-year-old daughter, so tread lightly, my friend. There you go, producer Jake. Chime it in, and this is where it This is what you get. You're about to get some body shots. You better watch I rest my case. I'm done. I'm looking at the flag. I'm like, yeah, that's FCB. That's it. Absolutely. Where's she at? <laughs> How about the idea that we are, hey, whether you're a Knicks fan or just covering the Knicks as a member of the New York media, for a team that carried this town in the 90s, for a team that has been irrelevant for the better part of the last two decades, that is a long time. I mean, we're talking about 20 years ago or 20 years of dealing with this stuff. I love being able to look at the schedule and be excited to put the game on and actually watch the Knicks. I mean, that it's something that simple, dreaming about diving into a playoff series. I mean, I can't even fathom that, but knowing that you're going to watch, for the most part, a competitive team night in, night out, I think that's more than any Knicks fan could have asked for at this point. Absolutely. I, how many times did we talk on SMY style about the season being over two weeks into the season yeah. or feeling like it was over, right? I, this is this is such a great thing. I, Jerome, you could speak to this. I, I always tell people that the Knicks in the 90s, before the Yankees started winning championships, the Knicks were the biggest team in New York, easily, by far, though, you know, from, from 92 to 96, you know, the Riley Knicks, the, the, the team that went to the finals with Patrick and, and Starks, that was the big team in New York. And it's kind of, you know, the entire generation, like my kids are in their 20s, there's like an entire generation of New York sports fans that have no idea what it's like for the Knicks to be the star team in New York, to be the biggest team in New York. You know, we had that one or two year kind of respite with Carmelo and Mike Woodson and, and those those couple of years earlier in the in the in the 2010s decade. But for the longest time, the Knicks have been like off the radar, like it, they've just been kind of this dysfunctional, almost laughing stock for far too long. And it's really refreshing to see them, to see people kind of talking about them, getting excited about them, um, because, you know, a, a 
lot of us remember what it was like when the Knicks were a really big deal in this town. Back in the 90s, when I was playing in the Big East, you know, that's all we used to talk about were the Knicks, you know, Patrick Ewing, John Starks, you know, LJ. I mean, we we enjoyed that type of basketball and for it to be gone for so long. I mean, just to get a three game winning streak, I'll be quite honest with you. Yesterday, I'm in the I'm in the lab, right? I'm, I'm trying to, you know, just polish up, make sure, you know, I don't I don't get too much rust on these old bolts. And I'm in the gym with Lance Stevenson, right? You know, Lance, Brooklyn, you know, New York, and just a, a fan of the Knicks. And we're on the same team. And I was like, you know, I, I, I got to give us some energy right now. I go for a steal. You know, I save the ball and I dive over a bunch of little chairs or the sideline chairs that are at, on the court. We didn't have a crowd in the gym, but the gym sounded like there was a crowd there. You see a 48-year-old ex-Nick diving for a loose ball in a pickup game with other pros who are younger, a lot younger, you know, that, that gets the gym excited. Right. And I said, it's all because of the Knicks, Lance, the Knicks are back. JYD's willing to put his body on the line at 48 because this is what the dog pound would love. <laughs> right. And they're, and they're not, and they're not all the way there yet, but just seeing kind of a glimmer of hope finally after, especially after these last several seasons and the, and the Phil Jackson fiasco and all that sort of stuff. It's just, it's just so refreshing to see them competitive on a nightly basis. They're going to have nights where they don't shoot well. They don't have, you know, they don't have a Steph Curry or I mean, who does, but they don't have a guy who can shoot the lights out every night, but they can have nights like last night where Randall made seven threes and where quickly can hit three or four threes. And they have, they have guys who can, who can knock down shots. And when they do that, they're dangerous um, because they're balanced. And this is without Mitchell robinson too um and he you know he he had become such an important part of their of their rotation but you can win if noel's gonna if he's gonna block shots and taj is a pro and you know that he's gonna give you hard-working minutes so i feel like this team kind of has everything to be competitive they might not be it might not be enough yet to put them over the top and they're not close to that yet but hey i think new york fans will take the baby step of this year of being you know contending for a playoff team for a playoff spot here but the one thing i will say peter this in the sixth spot with the energy of the level of fans when they come back in that gym yeah, next and the week. pressure that they're going to put on the other team, I'm actually willing to bet that that is worth another position up because no other team has had to come in and deal with the New York pressure. Well, how fun would it be, though? Right now, they're six and the Nets are three. How fun would that first round series be? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know if I want to see that from a Knicks <laughs> perspective. I right, look, get me to the point similar to the 2000 World Series. I just wanted the Mets to enjoy a World Series, not having to play the Yankees. I want to enjoy a playoff round with this Knicks team, not going against those Nets, which would seem to be an impossible feat. Although I love the way the Knicks play, and you know we know that they have nowhere near the Nets scores and their athleticism and their see, offensive Sal, ability. Hold on, Sal. No, I'm gonna just cut you off, man. You know why? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why. The, the Nets are the worst defensive team. Yeah. They're ranked 29th, daggone it. We want the smoke. In order to be the Kings, you got to go after All the right. Kings. You're Don't right. be the, I'm not going to allow you to come on <laughs> Big Apple Buckets and just say you don't want that matchup. You're right. New York, Maybe, New York wants that matchup. There'd be nothing you know better. There'd be Let's nothing go. better than to beat those Nets. Look, what I was going to say is, that, regardless. I, I want to go against the worst defense with Julius Randle, Derrick Rose, and Quigley. I, I, I'm I, just saying. Yo, gonna, we know Kyrie's going to fill it up. We know James <laughs> is going to hit us with a triple-double. And we know that KD is a walking 50 50 piece chicken nugget. Be but, careful what you wish for, JYD. But, but that defense is horrendous. Yeah. If we play just one lick of Tom Tibbs, get in your face, 
playoff basketball defensive stops, I'm saying we might be able to we might be able to shock the world. Let's yeah. go. Well, that would shock the world, and it would shock me. And look, what I was going to say to wrap it up is that regardless of the talent level that the Knicks have, it is just great. All the city wanted was a team that played together and played hard, and I don't think there's any question that this team does that. You can follow them at Peter Body B-O-T-T-E. Read all the sports coverage again in the paper or at nypost.com. Check out the new book, Power and Pinstripes, coming out May 11th. Thanks, Peter. We appreciate the few minutes. Fun catching up. Thanks, Thanks, guys. A lot of fun. Talk again. Go inside the doghouse here, JYD, in honor of episode 33, the Patrick Ewing episode. You got any Pat Ewing stories for us? Oh, you know I do. You know the dog pound's always ready. Come on, Sal. So I'm going to take you back to my Georgetown days. But pre-Georgetown days, right, coming into McDonough Arena, and there was this where you're coming in and you see the court, right? You're in the stands, and and basically – Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, and Dikembe would walk in through this door, like the length of the backside of the court, and go into another door. It was like this secret behind the walls because they would go in dry, right? And then they'd come back out and, and look like all three of them took a shower with their clothes on, right? And we're like, dang, what is behind this place? So then the next year when I got recruited by Georgetown, I actually signed my letter of intent, came on campus with Allen Iverson. Now I'm coming through those same doors. Now I get to see what's behind the walls, what's happening. They have like a stage gym. So back in the day when Georgetown was originally built, McDonough had a stage where they you know, would do performances for the schools. And that was sort of like their graduation ceremony place. Well, as Georgetown grew, they turned that little stage into a court, like with walls. So think of, think of like a racquetball court with baskets on it. So like, there's very little room for error here. This everybody's bunched up. The court is smaller. And I'm like, dang, this is pretty smooth, but I'm like, it's no place to get space. All these big dudes, and we're back there playing. Patrick and, and Alonzo and Dikembe are always separated. So they'd always put the college players, you know, on one of their teams and they even us up and we'd go up against everybody. And then you might have a, one or two pros that's mixed in former Georgetown guys. So Patrick's he he's out there just, I mean, just killing Dikembe, right? Dikembe's talking, Patrick Ewing. I'm going to get you, you know, he's he's got the cookie monster flow going and he's talking, he's trying to wag his finger, blocking his shot. Patrick's hitting him with this shoulder fadeaway, buckets, buckets, game. Get off, Dikembe, get off, right? Here comes Alonzo. Now, this is where the matchup gets tough. Now, I'm on Alonzo's team, right? And I'm like, all right, we got to get, you know, so, so I, I remember it was a backdoor cut and I get hit with the pass and Alonzo was at the foul line. So when I got backdoor cut, I'm like, look, I got to just go in here hard. It's got to be a dunk, you know, and I'm and I I see the ball coming. I catch it. And I mean, I raise up. I, I throw everything I got into it. Here comes Pat. And all I could think of was Michael Jordan on that baseline spin where he just elevated and, and got Patrick. Right. And I was like, this is my moment. This is where it all comes down. I raise up and I catch Patrick on the stage of McDonough. Field house, and I mean, it was like the the lights kind of just started sparkling, and I said to myself, <laughs> I, "I might make the NBA." 
this this might be real. And Patrick says to me, I let you do that, young fella. <laughs> Classic Pat, man. I was like, I had to question myself, did he? Did he let me do that? Like, I was like, man, he probably could have blocked it. Try just let try to give me some confidence. So always love Patrick, you know, because he he was one of the of the three, he was always there to kind of like give you, you know, a boost of confidence and 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 as a young player, you know, answering questions and that sort of thing. More so, a little bit more so than Dikembe and Alonzo. Patrick was sort of that guy that really took the time. Not that the others didn't, because they did too, but in their own way. But uh, shout out to Patrick Ewing, coach of Georgetown, doing it big allowing JYD and the dog pound to get some extra confidence in those uh, backstage gyms and then watching him like shoot up like 500 shots. Like, whoa, that's a lot of shots. You got, you know, makes <laughs> that you got to make. Seeing that turnaround jumper and uh, knowing what made him a Hall of Famer was awesome. And uh, shout out to him and all my Georgetown alumni. <laughs> dog pound. says goodnight to episode 33 patrick ewing the patrick ewing edition of big apple buckets thanks to jake brown and alex camarada for producing the show subscribe to big apple buckets on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review it does help you could do that on apple for jyd jerome williams i'm sal Licata. we'll chat with you guys next tuesday thanks for tuning in let's go Knicks.